Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to the Grief to Growth podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he's here to help you grow where you've been planted. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. His sincere hope is that this episode helps you today. Reverend Peter Panagore is a two-times near-death experiencer, professional speaker, best-selling international author, and broadcaster with 30 million views annually. Peter's the author of Heaven is Beautiful, How Dying Taught Me That Death is Just the Beginning, and Two Minutes for God, Quick Fixes for the Spirit. Peter is a former pastor, but he continues to minister to people and is a regular guest speaker in churches. I invited Peter to talk to a group that I volunteered with. During our talk, he mentioned something that I wanted to go deeper into, and that's what I'm going to share with you today. Peter has had two near-death experiences. After the loss of a very close loved one, or after a deeply spiritually transformative experience, such as an NDE, many people feel an intense longing for home. If we speak of this, it can be seen as morose. It's taboo to talk about wanting to die, but I wanted to explore it, and Peter was kind enough to explore it with me. I asked Peter why he chose to stay, after his NDEs, where he experienced pure bliss. Nearly 40 years after his first NDE, Peter is still here, and he's here today to tell us why. And now, a brief word from our sponsor. When I decided I was going to do a podcast, I knew there were more moving parts than most people expect. How do you record a podcast? Where do you host it? How much will it cost? Do I need special software? How do I distribute it? All these questions were in my mind. I was all set to go with another podcast hosting company. Then I heard about Anchor. I believe that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. You can use it right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor is not only free, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M as in FM radio. And now, back to our episode. Question with you. So, um, 
first of all, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, what I wanted to do is maybe you could like go over your story again for people that haven't heard it, you know, maybe really quickly. But when the first time that we talked, you made a comment about after you came back from your near-death experience, uh, I guess particularly the first one, that you prayed to die. Um, and so when I shared your, your, your video with some people from Helping Parents Heal, uh, I, by the way, I thought it was extremely inspirational. I loved it. Everybody loved it. But I was talking to a woman about it. She said she got some feedback from some people in her group that they thought it was depressing. And they thought it was depressing because that you didn't want to be here. And when you said that, and I, it really resonated with me because uh, I haven't had a near-death experience, but um, I've dealt with actually depression for a lot of my life. But when my daughter passed away, and this is, I think, very common among parents, you want to be with your kid. And so I, I think a lot of us think, you know, I want to die. But when people hear that, they think it's morbid. They think you want to end your life, that you want to cease your existence. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about what you had said. And I'm like, it's not about ceasing your existence. It's about, you know, it's, it's hard being here sometimes. Um, so I was hoping you could maybe elaborate on, on what your feelings were. Uh, the fact that you do choose to be here, uh, that you have chosen to be here. More than um, once. Yeah, and maybe clear that up for people that think, you know, that when we say something like that, you know, that we're, we're depressed or we're crazy or whatever. Well, I was depressed when I came back. <clears throat> There's no doubt about that. Uh, but that was more of a, I made the wrong choice. I'm in this two-dimensional world. Um, I want to be back in this multidimensional world where I had no uh, pain and no suffering and I was beloved and filled with joy and, and knowledge and truth and understanding and understood um, my, that I was a created creature and that uh, I was fully forgiven and that my, my soul was everlasting and called into being. It's kind of, you know, when, you're, when I first came back here, and I've adjusted some, but when I first came back here, it was like entering into an old black and white silent uh, film that, uh, and, and everything in the movie was two-dimensional. Mm -hmm. And compared to this uh, multidimensional, infinite place of joy. Mm -hmm. So you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe, maybe someone who's, who grew up in the, in the country and gets to New York City and suddenly just feels that she's home and, and never knew why she hadn't been home. And then, and then something happens. She's just got to go back to, you know, Podunk, Maine. Right. Um, right. It's kind of like that. Uh, so, so for those of you who don't know my story, I, I was 21 years old. I just turned 21. I was ice climbing in Banff Provincial Park in Western Canada. I made a, uh, an equipment error that cascaded into frostbite and ultimately hypothermia as we tried to get off the mountain. And at our, at our last rappel, about 150 feet up, I froze to death and uh, had resisted all night long, drove myself on with my partner, Tim, but it was, we were stuck. And so I, I went, I got plucked out of myself against my will and instantaneously taken home. And this, this being took me, an intelligent being that communicated to me telepathically, I'm taking you. I said, no, you're not. It took me anyway. And instantaneously, I was in a place of non-being, where I was like a, an orb of, of all of my senses and more. 
So I had all my five senses, but they weren't separate from each other. And I had much more, many more senses. And I was not unafraid. I heard my, I tell it in a sequence, but there is no sequence. And I'll tell it as quickly as I can here. No, take your time. I, I was in a, an illuminated greater darkness that was infinite. And I was utterly alone, but I was completely unafraid. And sort of a, a portal opened up, a gate, a door, something opened up near me. Um, and there's no physicality here. So I had no physical body. So this is really hard to talk about. Mm. And there's no time. So there's no sequence. Um, and this tunnel, it was a portal that opened to a tunnel. And there was a, a shimmery, shiny, translucent, transparent flow across the front of this opening. And I touched it with my being. And when I did, it was living. And it infused me uh, with communication, telepathic communication. And mm-hmm. I knew instantaneously the, that my, my soul self, this Peter, was kind of like a sheathing on top of my soul self. And my soul self had this everlastingly long tail that uh, came, I I heard my name called, it wasn't Peter, it was the name of my soul that called my soul into being. And I knew that I was a created creature. I knew I was in the presence of the creator. I uh, then suffered a life review. In my life review, I suffered all of the pain that I ever gave away to everybody. And what I didn't realize when I was living is that when I gave pain to other people, intentional or unintentional, I gave it to myself. I gave it to myself and, and that it was um, 10,000 times more painful than I had than any individual instance that I had given away. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through all of the pain that I gave away in sequence and uh, suffered all of that I gave away. And I was ashamed um, that I had not understood the divine love that was now totally present to me. And so my shame wasn't just in, for what I had done. It was for what I had done in comparison to ultimate love. Mm. And uh, this voice that had no sound and no gender was speaking. And I had no gender, by the way, either, even though I was, I still recognized Peter, but I was, I had no parts. Mm. <laughs> so I had no gender. I had no brain and no biology, no DNA, none of that. Wow. And I heard the voice inside me. And instantaneously, I knew that I was in the presence of the creator. And I heard the voice saying, I love you. I made you. I've always known everything about you. There's nothing about you that's ever been hidden from me. And I love you as you are. I love you as I made you. And I forgive you. And this was repeated over and over until I finished going through this, what I now call uh, hell, uh, the fires of hell or the divine fire of purgation. Mm-hmm. which is a language from Catherine of Genoa, who you may have come across. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I was utterly forgiven and I was infused with, I was infilled, I should say, I was infilled with oneness. And that oneness was, was beauty and love, truth, knowledge, joy, understanding, uh, awe, um, bliss, wholeness, healing. And the list, the list is long, but they weren't these separate things. They were all one thing. Light and love and beauty. And um, I telepathically said, am I dead? And the voice said, yes, you're dead. I said, well, I can't die now. The voice said, why? I said, as if God, you know, as I reflect on this, as if God isn't omniscient, okay? (laughs) Why why can't you come home now? And I said, because I want you to come home now. 
I said, well, my, my, my sister had vanished. She'd run away. My mother had been broken by this, um, a 10 year nervous breakdown, terrible situation. And I can't take another child from them. Mm. It, it would utterly destroy them. Mm-hmm. And so in an instant of thought, I was swept across the universe. Is the universe, uh, I don't really know. Um, and, but suddenly I, was, uh, I could see all of Earth uh, live, like a live shot of all of Earth, but I could see it three-dimensionally, and I could see every single human being on Earth all at once. Um, and every, everybody was doing their thing, sleeping or eating or, you know, whatever they were doing. And they were all covered with the veil of blindness. Mm. And the voice said to me, in the way that I love you now, you now know I have always loved you. I always have loved you. I love you now. And I always will love you with this love that was infinite, uh, a, a, a septillion times greater than anything I've ever felt before since. More than that. And, and because of my love, you now know that all will be well, was well and is well because of my love, which is later I find out a Teresa of, of, uh, of Avila mm-hmm. wrote similar words. And so, so uh, your parents are going to be fine. Everybody's going to be fine. It's all going to be great. Everybody, everybody who's suffering now, because I could see people suffering. I mean, there mm-hmm. were wars going on and, 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 and people were dying and, and famine and, you know, and beauty too. And people were making love and cooking dinner and, but there was suffering and I could see my parents' faces in particular and I could see their, the, the suffering that they were enduring inside their souls mm. and on their faces. And, and I knew that they would be fine when they died. Right. They'd be welcomed home just like me. Right. And that all suffering would end and um, they'd be forgiven and beloved because right. that's the way God is. Right. Um, and, I said, well, you know, I can see there's, I'm thinking I can see their suffering. They're going to suffer till they die. Maybe I should go back and relieve their suffering while they're living because I know what bliss is now. Right. And, and I said, well, I've got another reason. Um, I'm in this theater company. Uh, we're leaving in two weeks. We've been on in rehearsal for a year. We've got this national tour going. The director told me not to get hurt and better come home. And uh, here I was dying, <laughs> dead. And so yeah. I said, Get this, and I've made a promise. And now, and um, my phone's going off here. I'm, I'm cutting it, cutting it off. And, yeah, no uh, And I said, you know, I haven't gone through the door yet, but I'm infilled with this utter oneness. And and the, the oneness that I had was was a full oneness. I was overflowing with this gigantic love. But even even though it was gigantic to me, it was minuscule compared to the eternal infinite. Right. I, could, I could sense that. Hmm. And um, even though it was the same light, it was like a, I don't want to say reduced, but just less than. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the voice said to me inside my, my, my soul, but I want you to stay. Come home. And I said, well, I haven't got to the, the portal yet. If, if I go back, to help my parents, can I come back here to this infilled oneness, this bliss, this heaven? And the voice said, yes, you can come back, but I want you to stay. Hmm. And I said, um, I choose to live my life. And the voice said, you won't live your life. And back I went. And I was sort of crushed down from this magnificent size into this puny little 
robotic biology, this thing that I like software shoved inside that didn't quite fit. I was, and, and, and because it didn't fit, lots of me was left behind. I, wow. I, so you feel I, like you're, you're bigger than you are in your body. I, oh yeah. We're all much bigger than we are. Okay. And, um, and it just doesn't fit. And I'm crushed down in the five senses. Yeah. Um, and I'm stuck in this biology and most of me didn't come back at all. Wow. All my knowledge, all my understanding, all the truth that I knew, all the joy that I had, all the beauty that I saw, all the light I was in filled with, all of that stayed there. Wow. A little tiny, tiny bit came with me, <laughs> but nothing in comparison. And uh, I was dangling on my harness for 150 feet up. It's a, an hour or so before dawn. Um, I, I, it was painful to come back in my body, and my partner was uh, – shaking my body and I didn't know what was going on because I didn't understand how to think or how to be in a body. And it took me some time to re-acculturate um, uh, back into this biology. And uh, eventually I was able to stand up with the help of my partner. And eventually I could understand language. And eventually he let me know that I needed to pull the rope, which was stuck, long story. And it came free in the first pole and we descended and we self-treated. Yeah, um, I've been I self-treated because I've been I know how to do that because I was a first responder ski patrol. Right. So, and then um, the next night on the way home, long story short, we total the car. Um, we have to split up. I have to hitchhike back to Bozeman. And on that morning, and of course, I didn't tell Tim anything because he's an atheist, first of all. And second of all, I had no idea what had happened to me. I was, I was completely confused. All I did was stay silent for the next, yeah. you know, long time, actually months. And, uh, and I regretted coming back and here we come to the point. Okay. Um, I regretted coming back, uh, but I'd been meditating for three or four years at that point, And I began my, I continued and deepened and changed my meditation practice. And I prayed two prayers. I prayed my, my prayer chant, um, that I've been practicing from Eastern Orthodoxy. And I also began to pray, oh, God, take me home. Mm -hmm. And that was my second prayer every day. Take me home. I'm sorry I came back. I want to go back to bliss. I want to go back to wholeness and healing. I want to go back to this infinite love. I want to go back to heaven where, mm -hmm. there, are, where there is no pain and, and there's only love. And so um, I... I was, I was depressed for a long time. Mm. Um, I never got diagnosed because I never told anybody what was going on. I, I've been subsequently twice, uh, someone tried to smash my head in once as a minister, tried to kill me and ended up with um, depression and subsequently have had it uh, another time after that. Mm. Um, but the thing is that you've chosen to stay and this happened how many years ago, Peter? That was 1980. And, and I, and, you know, I came back with no fear of death. Right. And I chose to stay again in 2015. Right. Um, because my, you know, I had a massive heart attack um, day after running 5k. I was fit and strong, but I got a genetic thing going on. And I live an hour and a half from a major uh, hospital mm -hmm. and it was summertime and I live in Maine and it's, you know, bumper to bumper on the weekend. And uh, by the time, on, by, by the time I get to the halfway to the hospital, I, I died on the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, the same angel of death, it took me the first time, came for me this time, and invited me and welcomed me warmly. And I went very slowly. And I thought, I'm going really slowly. I should think about this for a minute. Because as I was going, I remembered that my son had shown up at the urgent care center and had leaned in and squeezed my hand, looked me in the eye and said, I love you, Dad. 
I started thinking about him and I, and I'd left my body. I'd gone quite a distance. And when I turned back into my meditation and I wasn't on opiates cause I can't take them. I was meditating through my pain right. I turned back into my meditation. I started thinking about my son. I started thinking about my daughter who had just left her marriage, an abusive marriage to her childhood sweetheart. Um, a super intelligent guy joined the Marines, went to war, terrible things happened. He came back a broken man and she had just left him with a baby and had no job and no home. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, you know, I, I can't leave my daughter to the, to this man and my granddaughter who's just been born. Right. And so I, I decided to stay to help. Right. So I turned my eye back toward the angel of death and now, it had receded and came rapidly down to me, welcoming warmly, come home, you can come home now. And I just turned away. Yeah. And, and so I've stayed, you know, I can't, I've come back twice now. Right. Um, for the sake of love, for the right. sake of my family, for people who needed me. Right. And um, I still want to go home. Um, but I'm staying as long as I must. Right. In order to be the support that I need to be. My parents are in their late 80s now. I saw him over the weekend, live on Cape Cod, drove down, five-hour drive down to see him, spent the weekend there. and um, They're getting on in age, and their their days are ending at some yeah. point. And, yeah. And then when they go, I will have done my job, but I still got my granddaughter. Right. Who lived with us for two almost two years. And now I still have uh, child care duties four nights a week, four hours two hours a night. So I'm still, I'm yeah, still wanting to be here for her. Right. Right. So there, there's this, and that's why I feel there's this tension, right? It's like, you, you, you want to go home. I mean, you, you know what it's like. I don't, I don't know what it's like. I can only imagine. You will. <laughs> but, but, but you want to go home, but, but you want to be here. And, you know, I was, I was saying earlier, I deal with depression and I've also dealt with panic attacks. And so I pray a lot of times, let me go, let me go. But I'll have, I'll have this feeling in my chest. I get a panic attack, which feels like you're dying. And when I get that feeling, that's why I know I'm not ready to go because I, I resist it. Um, so even though I, might, and I feel that way a lot of times, and I, and, I, and I pray that same prayer a lot of times, I'm like, this is just too hard. Um, when it really comes down to it, I always choose to stay. You know, I have another daughter. I have my wife. You know, I've, my parents are still here. Um, I've got people that I got responsibilities to, but I, again, I think, um, I think it's natural for people who have experienced what you've experienced or people that have someone as close to them as a child on the other side to feel that, that longing to go home. But it's, it's a, it's a pull in two, di two directions. You know, it's, it feels like uh, you want to be both places, right. And you can't be both places. So you have to choose to be here and understand that you will be there and that nothing can keep us separated from that. Um, True. Like, I was, I was, like I said, I was struggling with this last week, and I was thinking about, you know, our conversation, and I was like, who can I talk to who someone will, who will understand, you know, what I'm feeling? And I thought, you know, I thought about you. So that's why I wanted to, to give you a call. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way. I can't text you back. 
and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. I'm glad you did, Brian. I understand what it's like to have someone on the other side. I mean, I haven't lost a child, but I lost my sister. Mm, yeah. um, not quite the same thing, but still, Yeah. you know, my grandmother and my grandparents on the other side and friends. They're going to be there when you leave. Right. Um, and that will be there when I leave. Yeah. Um, that love that binds me to them, to my sister in particular, leaves me feeling grief. Uh, and, and grief is this twin of love. And we feel it because we love and we feel it in proportion to the amount we love. But love never ends. And so even though, even though I'm wanting to go out to the other side, I don't want to leave here because it's hard. I want to leave here because it's better on the yeah. other side. Yeah. It's like, okay, uh, why do I have to live in, in this place when I know I have a penthouse? Why do I have to live in the gutter when I know I have a penthouse? Right. Because um, you know, people think of when you, when you say these things and think you're suicidal, um, they think you want to end it all. And it's not a matter of wanting to end it all. It's because you know what you're, you know what home's like. I mean, for, for us, we're, we're kind of struggling. Like I said, I'm, I'm starting to get a feeling, starting to remember, I guess, a little bit. But um, you know what it's like. So I think that makes it, you know, even harder to, to stay here. Like you said, living in the gutter when you know you have a penthouse waiting for you. It, yes. And I, I knew one of the things that I learned when I was in the other side is that as a created creature, I, I belong. I belong to the creator. Mm -hmm. I didn't make my soul, my Peterness, and I didn't make my soul. Um, and that's right. more important. I didn't create. I'm sorry. Hold on one second. No, that's cool. I, I had the same problem a few minutes ago. All right. I didn't. I, not only did I not create my Peterness, I didn't create the essence of my being, the, the my soul itself. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a created creature. I can't, I can't take my own life because I don't belong to me. Yeah. Yeah. I may, I may want to do that at some points in my life, Yeah, but I'm prevented from doing that because I know to whom I belong and who made me. Yeah. Um, so, so I, under, I do understand what it's like to be suicidal. I, I, I do. I also understand enough having been a pastor for so long that, when someone completes suicide, they give all the pain that they've been having inside themselves to everybody that, who loves them. Right. Yeah. And so they get to go and everybody else suffers. And right. that's, that, that's kind of hell like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can recognize why people who haven't seen what I've seen might think that it's depressing to hear me talk about death. But part of that is cultural. Part of that's because nobody talks about death in our, in our culture. You know, we talk about people getting killed every night in the news, but we never talk about grief in right. the news. We never talk about what the family suffers in the news. We only talk about the, the action of killing, uh, the action of death. Death itself is pretty taboo in our culture. And right. so, you know, it used to be true about, uh, about domestic violence. That was taboo in our culture until like the 1970s. And now that it's not taboo in our culture anymore to talk about it, uh, there's a, there's less of it. Mm, yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. the more we talk about death, the less frightening it is 
the more natural we see it. And the more we understand that no matter what happens, we're going home. Right. It's not today. It's not tomorrow. Maybe not next week, but right. someday you're leaving. Right. Nobody sticks around. Right. And, and that's a greater blessing than, than anything else on this planet, I think. Yeah, and that totally shifts to perspective. And I was, I was listening to some of this earlier today talking about a near-death experience. And I think the other thing is, you know, this life, when you're in it, it seems so long. Like, it, yeah. you, know, it's, it, it, you know, at times, it, it depends. It sure does. But it can seem so long. But when you're on the other side, you realize that it was only, it was only a minute. Yeah, um, true. So it's just, it's just keeping, keeping step, one step at a time, one day at a time, moving forward. And doing what we're here to do. And, you know, for, for yourself, I mean, you've done amazing things in the almost 40 years since you since you came back. Um, probably things you probably, you couldn't envision at that time. Oh, uh, no idea. Yeah. The, the, the most important thing for me um, was to be able to um, begin to turn my, you know, my inner eye back inside myself. To make that eye single, to, to reorientate reorientate my perspective from outside the world to inside myself to see if I could reaccess the, the, the place inside myself where uh, as Eckhart, Meister Eckhart said, the eye wherein I see God, God sees me to, mm. to seek the eye of God, to seek the light within. And that's, that's the thing that's, that um, has given me strength and courage in this life to endure um, the length of it, but also it, it carves away the inner self and creates space for more light to come in, which brings more heaven here for me mm. so that I feel more stable here, but also leaks out around me. Mm-hmm. And the and others who are doing the same thing, we as a community bring more heaven here, yeah. it, even if it's only inside ourselves. And, and it does, it's not the kind of thing that makes everything peaceful or heals everything or makes everything like a magic wand well, but it, it provides the, the inner peace and the, and the authenticity, the, uh, the genuineness of relationship, um, the openness to uh, love and, and hope, um, and, well, gives solace to the brokenhearted. Yeah. Uh, it gives endurance to those who grieve. Yeah. It's, it's a twisted thing, okay? I, I know that, that, you know, here's this divine love who, who, who could make all things well, like that, and right. yet doesn't for us. We're stuck here in this in this this small crushed in space, and have to endure it until we get to go home. And it could be better here, but but if it was purity and love, then it wouldn't be here. Right, be heaven. Yeah, I, I think it's like this for a purpose. Uh, I think there's a purpose for it. There's there's growth that comes from it. There's strength that comes from it. You know, there you have to have something to push back against, some resistance in order to to get stronger. So I, I think there's a reason for it, and that to me helps, helps to endure also. Um, I think that, um, you know, like I said, I think it's by design. It's, it didn't ha- didn't happen this way by accident. And we, you know, we came here to, to do a mission and uh, you know, it's, it's helpful to talk to people that, that understand that who are feel like they're, you know, kind of on the same mission. And it's kind of nice to get a little glimpse to the other side. You know, it gives you, it gives you hope um, to know that, you know, our loved ones are still still here, still with us, that, we're, that we will see them again inevitably. So, you know, do what we need to do while we're here. And we don't, we don't know how long it's going to be. I mean, sometimes it's, you'll look out and you think it might be decades, but 
we don't know. I mean, my daughter was 15 and, you know, she was suddenly gone. Um, so it could be, for me, it could be days, weeks, years, you don't know, but you just have to get by, you know, day at a time. It's what you do. And in the meanwhile, you do what you're doing, Brian, you're helping other people through your own grief because of your own grief. Yeah. And that's why I think, and that gives her passing purpose, you know? So I look at that, her, you know, her passing, it's like that, that gives it purpose, right? There's, I got to do something with that and, um, you know, tr- trying to figure out what to do with it. And, and this is what I'm doing. So, um, and you still love her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel her? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all, yeah, all the time. I mean, she's she's right here with me all the time. She's she's the one that pushes me. She's the one that says, you know, do more, you know, uh, work harder, uh, you know, write your book, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, she's the reason I do what I do because um, I I I feel like we're partners. I feel like that this is a partnership, and you know, her role was to go to the other side and to help from that side, and my role is to be here. And to, you know, to do the things that she's not physically here to do, but she still touches people and you know, all the time. Uh, she was 15 when she passed, but she made a huge impact during the time she was here. So um, my, my role, like I said, is kind of just keep expanding that. And helping the, uh, Henry Nowen. Do you know that name? I do. He's, yes. Yeah. The, his little skinny book called The Wounded Healer. And the, the essence of it is that those who heal best, heal others best, are those who suffer from the same wounds. And yeah, so, think, you know that's kind of, that's from what I see. That's what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's true. I I think I think it's absolutely true. So yeah, that's why that's what I'm, I try to do. Like I said, that's why I wanted to reach out to you today, uh, have this conversation with you. And I, I appreciate your permission to record it because uh, I know a lot of parents and not just parents, but a lot of people are going through the same thing. You know, we got the holidays coming up. Um, yeah. It's a tough time of year for people. So with helping parents here, we're going to try to do more, um, more programs during this time because it's a time when people are busy and people tend to forget about people that are, you know, that are struggling. Um, it's a hard time of year. You know, where I live, there used to be a, an annual Christmas Hanukkah service of the blues at the local funeral home and everybody who lost somebody that year or anybody who lost anybody ever Mm. could all come together and, and admit to each other that they're in pain Mm. and they're by share their suffering with each other. Um, and by sharing their suffering with each other, bear each other's burdens. Right. And make, make it, make everybody a little bit stronger as, as a result. And again, that's kind of what your group is, is doing. You're sharing each other's burdens you, you, your burdens as heavy as it ever was, but now, and you're carrying someone else's burden too now, but they're carrying yours. Yeah. And, um, well, I think there's it's something great. great about knowing you're not alone. You yeah. know, other, you know, cause you, when you go through certain things, you feel like, you know, I'm the only one. And so, uh, we find that, you know, people just being with people that, that could understand what you're going through is very, very helpful for people. So um, that's what we're trying to do. So I, I, I again, I, I really appreciate your time. You're so generous to do this. Um, I'm going to post it on the Helping Parents Heal site and hopefully it helps some other people as well. But you, you helped me a lot. And um, I've heard your story a couple of times now. I, I could listen to it over and over again. It gives me a lot of hope and inspiration. And I see what you're doing with your life. And, you know, I want to do more of that. You are doing it. I think everybody in your groups... Uh, I think everybody who participates 
uh, and this group helps everybody else. And so you're, we're, we're all we're all working together in yeah. this direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, I appreciate what you said, Brian, but I watch you on Facebook and I see what you put out there. And um, uh, as you know, I like a lot of stuff you, you write and you post up. So I'm, it's a mutual fan club is oh, what I'm nice. saying. Thanks. And, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, All right, man. Well, I, I, again, thanks so much, Peter. Um, this has been great. I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon. I don't right. talk to you before. Then have great holidays. Happy holidays if I don't see you then. In, in, in face to face. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. God, God is love. I'll see you later. Hey there. If you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.